Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, which provides management, publicity, and related services. This is it. This is the big milestone 400th episode. More than seven and a half years now, a new episode every week, and I'm so, so grateful to everyone who listens to the show and subscribes on whatever podcast platform you use and keeping me excited about keeping now here this entertainment going as always do make sure you're signed up for the weekly e-newsletter which is quick and easy to do on the show website which is nhte.net Joining me today on location in Nashville, my guest is a recording artist, singer, songwriter, entertainer who added to her music catalog with a single earlier this year, for which there was later a remix released. Last year, on Christmas Day, in fact, she had put out an album featuring 11 songs. Her discography goes back as far as a full-length album from 2013 called Somebody's Gonna Pay, which is fitting given her other career in entertainment running parallel to doing music, that being, of course, in professional wrestling. In addition, she is also part of GAWTV, a YouTube show that we will also talk about today. You've been hearing a song of hers called Great Minds for the Milestone 400th episode of NHTE. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Mickey James. Oh my goodness, thank you so much, Bruce. Thanks for having me, and hello to everyone listening. Yeah, your schedule is insane, so I really appreciate you making time to sit and talk with me today. Let's start off by having you talk about the song of yours that was just playing called Great Minds. Yeah, we actually released Great Minds, what was it, 2019, I believe, for the summer for a summer song, and it just has such a kickback, laid-back vibe. It just was really, really fun, and um, yeah, you know, I've been working constantly, especially as everyone has in the pandemic, and writing and writing and writing more so, but it's still one of my favorite songs, I think that I've done. Were you saying that in a sense that I kind of got the impression we, we chose the summertime to release it because it felt like that kind of song. Is that the case? It's absolutely the case. Yeah. Because if it, it was like barefoot dangling off a hot wood deck, you know, it's, it's, there's so much to it, like from the jet skis and this, like all the things that make summer, summer is like my favorite season, honestly, <laughs> aside from the heat, like that latter end <laughs> of spring into summer and then early fall, but then it starts to get below 70 and I'm not into it. So. So was it just, was the timing rather serendipitous or was it actually, we wrote this song in like winter and said, let's hold on to it until summer. Yeah, no, we actually held on to it until summer. We, we had cut the song and, and did it. I wish I wrote the song, but I did not. Um, but it's, yeah, it was just when I remember when I first heard it, I was like, God, I love this song so much. And we were pulling stuff for, um, a, a potential full on album. And we ended up doing a bunch of singles. I think we released like six singles back to back kind of that year. So it happened to be one of the singles that we released. And I specifically chose to do, I was like, this is like such a, it's like pontoon or like one of those, just like you could be in the boat or you could be on the beach and it just kind of resonates with everyone, you know, from bonfires to jet skis to the beach and to just fun times, you know? Well, and what's interesting about that is a lot of times on this show, I find myself entrenched in a conversation with the guest where I'm trying to draw a teaching moment for anyone in the audience who is an aspiring performer and is trying to learn from me and my guest. But I think in this case, it's interesting for the listener who is just a casual music fan to know that Mm -hmm. there are reasons why artists will hold on to songs to release at certain times for whatever the strategy is that's involved. Absolutely. Well, I mean, when you listen to the song, it obviously is a, you can feel it and you can listen to the words. And I'm very much like a a wordsmith in the sense that like, I like writing. I love songwriting because it tells stories. And, um, but the song is actually, actually pretty deeper than that because obviously it's like good friends, good beer, um, you know, great minds. Because like, you want to surround yourself in, in those circles. Like I keep my circles tight, but of people who think like you and who want, like you and who dream like you and 
who go after things like you to just keep you motivated, but also can sit back and have a good time with you and be real with you. So it sounds to me almost like, was that song written specifically for you? No, it wasn't. Yeah. I just kind of, Sean Gassaway actually, who I've written a lot of stuff with found that song for me and sent that over. He's like, I really think you'll like this song. And, um, yeah, yeah. Well, this is a great example of how the entertainment world is so small and the value of making connections. Not only do Mickey and I have a mutual acquaintance in Sean Gassaway, who she just mentioned, he was the guest back on episode 305 of the show, but, and she doesn't know this, Mickey and I were even at the same songwriters festival, the Frank Brown International yes. Songwriters Festival. It's on the Alabama-Florida border at one time. And it's it's how you get to know more people. It's how opportunities manifest. And Mickey, both in music and in your wrestling career, I know even just meeting you for the first time today that you can, by all means, speak to the power of making connections and building relationships. You have to. I think you have to. It's a very and we, I think, as artists and as entertainers, too, like we get really uh, everyone's different, I think. But I feel like we're kind of introverts on the inside. Like it takes a lot. Like we have to prep ourselves to go out and like do that, like mentally, physically, emotionally, just kind of like, okay. I'm going into like, I call it like work mode. I got to go into like, cause you, I enjoy meeting people and I, but it's, it's really, really tiring sometimes because you want to make sure that you're putting on your best sure all the whole time. Cause everybody, you know, first impressions are everything and you constantly feel like, okay, well, what are they going to think about me when I walk away? Because I want to make a good impression and, um, especially, but I've been really blessed to have and be able to surround myself with really cool people who you know, want to see me succeed. I want to see them succeed and we could do it together. And I feel like that's really the most important thing, you know? And, um, yeah, Sean's a good dude and I appreciate him making this introduction. This is really cool. I'm really honored to be on the 400th episode. I actually, the Frank Brown festival, that one that I met you at was the first time I had ever gone and it was Uh cool to really even go back this year. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And it's just, yeah, it's so been a whirlwind. Be, be I will be I'll there in November. There, okay, I will, I will be there. It's a date. Yeah, yeah we're wow. going to do it. But you see, this is also, listeners, those of you who are aspiring performers, this is what Mickey's getting at with first impressions because we all in the entertainment business, we all hear the expression, you never know who's going to be in the audience. Right. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be the audience. It could be meeting someone at a songwriters festival where there you almost have to be even more careful because... Mm-hmm. What I've always enjoyed about going to the songwriters festivals is everybody is so relaxed because it's yeah. almost like the songwriters are going on vacation. Oh, let's go down to Florida slash Alabama. Right. And there you do have to say, hold on, who am I meeting for the first time that I don't want them to say, yeah, I met him or I met her. Or, boy, oh boy, were yeah. they, you know, insert bad image here right. that they formed. Well, and I thought it, it's so cool what the Frank Brown Festival does because I think that a lot of times the songwriters themselves go... Aside from the people who know, like, oh, but all the, like, there's so many hit songs that were written by a songwriter who nobody knows who it is, you know, and they get no credit for the song. They get no, obviously on the back end, they get whatever, hopefully they get taken care of. (laughs) Right. But as far as this song, that's a number one record, like people are blasting all over. Look at this person, how great they did making this number one record. The person who actually wrote the song never gets that praise of like, oh, actually, but which is cool. And it's one of those things that is, that's why I think the power of being a singer songwriter to be able to put my own stuff out there, but also to be able to work with a lot of these, I've learned so much from them because there's people who, this is their job. They write songs all, they write three, four, five songs every day. And I think that like, sometimes I'll sit down and it can take me two hours to write a song or their songs that I have been sitting on for ever you know, where they're just kind of half finished and then I moved off cause I didn't love it and come back cause there's a whole art to it. And I think it's, you have to choose. I don't, I'm very like particular on like what the story I want to tend to tell it, you know, in the right way and use, um, a different dialogue that still resonates with people, but is not saying it the exact same way it's been said 10,000 times, yeah, you know? Yeah. So that is, that's really the art form. And, and, so. it, and it is a challenge because it has been said so many times before that now it's, I have something to say about it, but I want to make sure people hear it 
Mickey James adaptation. Right. And people say, okay, I get what she's, where she's coming from, but this is a little bit different spin on something that we've all talked about before. For sure. About before. Yeah. It might resonate with somebody else a little differently, you know, because everybody hears things differently, whether it's advice or criticism, you, you have to talk to everyone very differently, yeah, you know, yeah. and you have to be aware of that. So I do want to focus largely on your music career, but at the same time, it wouldn't be right to not acknowledge all that you've done in wrestling. Is it a case of the old, as long as they're talking about you, or do you like to try to keep the two separate and, and either be the Mickey James that's talking about wrestling or the Mickey James that's talking about music? I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would think it would be next to impossible to leave one out. It is next to it. I, I think I've tried it from, because obviously when I first started on the music journey, I wanted to be taken seriously as a music artist and not to be looked at like, oh, like as a novelty of, look, there's yeah. that wrestling chick. And, and I feel like just recently, even now, like, and I put my first record out in 2010 mm. and started working on that album and stuff in like 2008, I think. Wow. And so it took like a while to get to that. Like, first came to Nashville with my little collection of songs, you know, and then it went through the whole process and put it out with Kent Wells and he was incredible and he really helped me a lot. And then worked with Ron Browning, who was a vocal coach and he's amazing. Um, and that's kind of how out of all of that, I ended up getting picked up with E1 music Nashville for my second album uh, in 2013 that somebody's going to pay album. So it's like all of these things. And, and even that space kind of happened pretty quickly, but I've done a lot, but I keep grinding and I've, I've had to do it. And I think because I did it in wrestling very much the same way, the grassroots way, it wasn't like I was like plucked out of obscurity or anything like that. I find that those two worlds run very parallel from music to wrestling, to entertainment, acting, or anything like that. It's like you put in years and years and years and years of work before you finally get the payoff. And, and I always pray for everyone like that, that once you see that, like if you stay true and you stay on course and you keep the vision, like that, that payoff is going to blow your mind, you know? Um, but I remember when I first did that, I was like, I really want to be taken seriously as an artist. I don't want to be like, hey, there's that wrestling chick that's trying to do music or doing music now. And, and it kind of was like that for a while, you know, mm -hmm. and I think still there's a little bit of that. But the more I stayed at it and you know how it is in Nashville, it's like the more I stayed at it and the more I kept working and kept working it that like it started to lose that stigma, especially from the people that mattered. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? That really was like, okay. And to me, I go like, well, I got to a point where I go, I, I need to, I worked really hard for my wrestling career. It took me seven years before I finally debuted on TV. I, I starved and drove everywhere for $25, like did all the thing. I did all the work. And so I was able to build up that platform and get my notoriety. But I also was a nine time women's champion. I've done all of these things. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm trying to like not ignore it. Cause I'm very grateful for that career. And I love wrestling so much, but I just need to embrace it because that's what makes me Mickey James. That's what makes me a badass is that I was able to overcome all of these struggles. And most of my music that I'm writing is coming from a place that I learned on that journey, which is very similar to somebody else's journey when they're trying to follow Absolutely. their dream. Yeah, you know, because they say it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Right. And so when you debut on TV, people go, who the heck is this chick? It's like, Oh, I'm not just showing up. I've been on the independent circuit for all these years and right. all, same thing with music you know they all of a sudden hear somebody that's starting to really take off and they go who the heck is this it's and like, they've well, been i've been doing this for and by the way grinding. thank you for correcting me because you said 2010 i had said in the intro 2013 so that's that's a long time that you've been at it and it's, and it's good I've that people trying. hear this so they understand this isn't this wrestling chick trying music this is you've been doing this for a while right well and you talk about but that's like one of the things of like the ignorance of, of crossing over and coming down there was a lot of things that I didn't know. And I remember it was like my first manager that I signed up like, Oh, I got a manager for music. And that's just going to be focused on my music and all these things. And when I crossed over, or did something, they had pulled my first album down, which I was so, so proud of this mm. album. You know, it's, uh, if you know, Kent Wells, he plays guitar with Dolly. He's like just incredible. And he was the first person to say to me, you know, and I'd met with different production people and, 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 and people who would like, we're interested in doing my album, my first ever album. And was listened to a couple of my songs. I'm like, yeah, they're okay, whatever. But he was the first person to go like, no, I don't think that you should just cut these couple songs. Like actually 
we can cut two or three of them, but I think that we need to find the right songs that tell your story. You have such a unique sound. You have such a unique story. And I really think that you could make a killer record. And he was the first person to say that and to say it to me in a way that he actually believed in me and was willing to take a chance on me. Right. So I was so upset when it got, I I can't remember. I think they were trying to change the artwork on it or something. So Uh, when they put, they went to go put it back up, they got the, IRSC codes wrong or they got the codes wrong and so or how they put it back in so it was pulled down from all of the um, you know iTunes all of the things and I had had a lot like a lot of downloads on that song Mm. so I lost everything couldn't get that album back to save my life and my friend Sean, your friend Sean Gassaway um, because he works a lot with me now and, and I trust him so much he was able to I don't know how but by the grace of God, because I was like, oh, it's 10 years now from when that album was released. I'm so proud of it. So to be able to re-release that for everyone who yeah. hasn't heard that, because most people that have it have it in the actual CD form. And I don't have any more CDs okay. pressed of it. Right. So, uh, yeah. So we just re-released that nice, as like a 10 nice. year anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. It was wow. really cool because I'd missed all those songs. And I was like, I was so proud of that album. And it was cool. But Yeah. So I think there's also a potential teaching moment here as it relates to time management and scheduling. In the wrestling world, matches are part of scheduled events. Someone is telling you what arena, in what city to be in, on what date, and at what time. In the music world, you can be more flexible with your schedule, whether that's writing or going into the studio to record or shooting a music video. The exception likely being someone trying to book a performance for a specific date. But what advice can you offer, though, as it relates to still making music a priority and not saying, well, I can do it whenever I get around to it? Because we know there are people out there for whom music is not their full time career, yet maybe they need a little kick in the pants to develop some kind of a regimen with it. Yeah, um, I have to say, like, time it's not going to wait on you it's not going to wait on you. And if you're not going to put in the work, it's somebody else is going to. So you, you really are the controller of that destiny. And it's, it's like, it, you're going to get back like as much as you're willing to put in. And we all have our moments of, I mean, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a, you know, music artist, I'm a wrestler, I'm a businesswoman. I'm, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I like all these things, but it's a constant juggle because you have to just keep juggling. But I always try to, you know, whether it's writing music and a lot of the times it would be on the road that I would write a lot Mm. of my music because it was my time away from everyone and away from, it's a bit solitude, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where I would get a lot of my lyrics going because I don't actually play. Like I play the violin in high school, but I don't actually play an instrument so I can hear, I'll hear a melody or hear something or tell whoever I'm writing with, or if I'm by myself, I just kind of hum it to myself and to my recorder so I can write in that cadence. But I'm more of a lyricist. And so I'll write these stories down on paper or how I kind of feel it and I'm seeing it and then go back with it. And that's what I'm saying. I have like notebooks and notebooks. of just stuff, random thoughts, you know? And so I think that you have to write, if you're a writer, you need to write when you feel inspired or when, cause those things happen at, um, all kinds of times, mostly when we're in our motions, right. Or we've been drinking or, (laughs) you know, many times. Um, but you know, everybody goes through blocks and stuff. And I think that if you are going through like a block, then you need to be inspired that you need, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like you have to take a break or because life, if there's anything I've learned over time, especially because I've, I lost my youngest sister recently and, and we all lose family and we lose friends, but you know, it, I think that life is so, so short, you know, and for some of us, you can say, oh, it can wait till tomorrow. But what if it isn't tomorrow? Mm. Because there is no tomorrow. So you can't just sit there and keep waiting, waiting, procrastinating, thinking it's going to come to you because before you know it in the blink of an eye, your whole life is gone and you spent it waiting for what and for who? Because the only person who's can make you happy or is in control of your happiness or, or what you can and can't do is yourself. And you can or can't do everything that you tell yourself that you can and can't do. Period. I'm secure enough in my manhood to admit that I heard Barry Manilow do a song called If Tomorrow Never Comes, which I believe he introduced as originally being by Garth Brooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's what's coming to my mind as you're saying, you know. You can have all these great plans that someday I'm going to write this great song or someday I'm going to finish this album or someday. But if tomorrow never comes, right, 
you know, well, then, and where did it get you to, to, to keep think, all those ideas in that notebook or, or secretly plan that someday I'm going to actually try to record some music, yeah. chase your dream. You have to. And I think you have to, um, and maybe this is just me and if it, you know, if this doesn't really fit with somebody or they don't like it, it's okay. But I think for me, like I always follow my heart, but I always like follow my faith and I put my trust in, in my God. That's what, you know, whatever you choose. But I think that you have to have that faith that if it's speaking to you and it's telling you to do these things, because I'm also a planner and I plan and I like to do, but you, you have to be smart enough to know that honestly, nothing ever goes according to plan. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And at the times that I've like tried to micromanage or plan it as if it's supposed to happen a certain way and this is how it's supposed to unfold and I got to do this and then this next and then this next, I almost slow down my progress. I almost block my blessing because I'm, I'm closing the door of how it can happen for myself mm. instead of just being open to going like, these are the things I want. How do I like, I'm going to work on trying to get there, but take me there, show me how to get there. Like those things of like those conversations with myself or whatever your, your thing is. And yeah. Yeah. I had hoped to have it done by this point for this reason, but, but I think there's a reason why I wasn't meant to finish yet. Maybe yeah. something is about to happen. That's going to inspire something else. For sure. You know, or maybe I'm going to meet someone who's going to come into the project and bring someone, something else to it. Yeah. Well, and I, I say that because I look at like this all women's pay-per-view that I, I just finished doing, but I think that, you know, when I look back at it, like I had asked for this moment, I'd, I'd hoped to try to get to something with my previous employer. And I kept like thinking in my head and like trying to, we could do it this way. Or like, maybe if it happened like this, this, and this, or like kept trying to like, not micromanage, that's not the word, but I had this one vision of like how it was mm, supposed to go instead of like, I feel like I closed myself off to all these other like little things that, because that was tunnel vision, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I think that that will, if you can just like sit back and be like, there's some, like you said, you just never know who you're going to come across. And sometimes you could be sitting in a room with someone who could change your life and you don't even realize it, whether you yeah. just look at them like they're somebody like that's not important or because they're very casual. And like, cause most people, if you're, not doing something in, you know, interview or something like that. Like I tend to go below the radar when I'm not in the public eye, or if I just want to go to the gym or go to the store or go to the grocery store or whatever, um, unless I need to dress up or like whatever, just because I feel like people look at you differently in both Mm. places, you know, when you're kind of dressed down and people go like, Oh, whatever. Like they just kind of pay no attention. Whereas when you look like you're somebody, which we, as stars, we want to look like we're somebody, but really only in the times when you're supposed to be looking at us. Right. That's right. So there's a fine line. So let's get back to the scheduling and the song ideas, because I have to believe that because you are so busy, what happens is all these ideas pile up and they pile up and they Mm -hmm. pile up and they pile up and they're all great ideas. Maybe you've got a hook, maybe, I don't know if you're a notebook person or if you're a a voice recorder person, but someday you sit down and you go, now I'm just overwhelmed because now I have so many song ideas. Like how am I going to make sense to try to actually move these along and turn them into songs right. instead of just all these great ideas that I've been yeah. writing down for the last six Well, months. you're kind because I don't look at them and go like, oh, I got all these great ideas. I'm like, oh, I got all these ideas that could potentially... Mm. I'm so... We're the worst... Like, I'm the worst on myself. But um, I think it depends on who you're writing with because I've actually sat down with my notebook of all these ideas that I was like, oh, we could do something like this. And then we do nothing like any of it. Mm. You know, we do something completely different. So I, I always think that you have to feel what that energy is like with the person that you're writing with. And, you know, I've gone in to write one type of song and came out with something completely different. And I've gone in with my notebook and, and tried to stay on course with this one idea. And it took us forever in the writing room because we just couldn't find the right words and we got it done, but it wasn't, you know what I mean? But that also sounds like what you were saying before that you're so focused and this is the way this song has to be. This is what I was thinking when I wrote it. It's like, well, it's going to take us a long time to get there yeah. unless you want to just relax and kind of be open Mickey and let us kind of you figure know, workshop. It, this yeah. A let's bit. see and, what feels right. Yeah. 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 And you know, and, and sometimes you're going to have like great writing synergy with some people and you're some people you're not. And 
I think that's just how people, because it's whether they connect or not, or whether they have some of the same life experiences or even just enough to be able to relate and tell, have a similar exactly. story to it. Right. Yeah. yeah. You took the words out of my mouth. I was just going to say, that's another testimony to the power of relationships because you're not going to, you're not going to gel with every songwriter that you come across, but that's the beauty in finding the ones where you really do connect because you can right. come and, and they can say to you, okay, you just sat there and read me off a dozen ideas of some of these different things you had written down and I really don't think I can latch on to anything that you said. Right. And you're, and you're okay with that because you have a relationship and you respect their work as a songwriter. Yeah. Which, and I always like, it's really hard because sometimes that's a blast to your ego, but you sure. really have to sometimes I'm all about, I think because it, especially in wrestling, it's such a, it was such a hard industry and it was very, a lot of corrective criticism because mm. I was terrible when I first started, obviously. And then <laughs> I got better and better and better, but it was just way different than it is now. Like, and it was a very male dominated industry too. So as a female coming in and being trained to be a wrestler or whatever, I was like, Oh, she's terrible. This like the, but I really, really want it. So, but it just thickened my skin. The business itself has thickened my skin, the entertainment, you have to have thick skin because Absolutely. everybody from the top execs all the way to the guy on Twitter is going to have an opinion about you <laughs> and what you're doing and how they could potentially do it better. So you can't, let's like, you have to have thick skin or be able to laugh it off or just ignore it because it's hard. You know, it's like, if you take everything to heart, I always say I have like selective vision and selective hearing and, um, I, I try to filter like what's coming in and what actually makes sense for me. And they're just kind of, and what is the source and, and how credible are they? You know, right. Is it someone that has ever performed before? Is it someone's ever wrestled before? So for if sure. you've never written a song, you've never sung, you've never wrestled, then I'm not really going to spend any time. It, on you can't let it move you. That you have. Right. Because I think that's what, you know, you can, another thing that then kind of makes you clam up or you're like, and you don't want to come from a place of, um, Oh, I'll show you. I'll prove, you know what I mean? Like in yeah. an angry, cause I don't, I don't, everybody's so different, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I think I've, I've really think that the music for me has been able to let me, um, be more authentic to myself because I've had to play a character, mm. different characters, which are all an extension of myself, but there are all these amplified over the top, very theatric, um, spaces, but it's also, uh, I'm very like superhero and untouchable and you can't hurt me and you can't when the real Mickey is like, I am very sensitive. I do cry. I actually do cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm pissed off. I'm mm -hmm. cried when I'm so it's, I just, I'm a passionate person, you know, and if I love something and I, I want to do it, I'm very, very passionate about it. Um, and if I'm not passionate about it, then I just don't waste my time because mm -hmm. I just realized that it's just going to just sit there and just kind of just not into it, yeah, you know, and yeah. it's just a waste of time. You have to be doing what you love. Like the rest of the time is just a wasted energy and wasted time, you know? But what you're saying about the critiques, it goes back to what you said when we first started our conversation, which is surrounding yourself with people who, you know, are working with you because they're looking out for your best interests. So if someone's telling you, I'm not really crazy about any of these hooks, any of these ideas that you've given out of your notebook. You probably absorb that a whole lot better because you know this person genuinely cares about my music career and is trying right. to help me. And it's not just some armchair quarterback who's saying, right. eh, that doesn't sound like Oh, anything. it's not great. And I always say, okay, well, what? Because I'm still learning and I feel like you have to like, what is it about it that you don't like or why? Yeah. Nice. Why, like why is it? Cause, cause is it something that I can change and then make, cause if it's a power, if it's something that a story that I really, really want to tell, I'm like, okay, if you're not feeling that, then obviously other people are not going to feel it, but why aren't you feeling it? What mm -hmm. is it like? Is it just too shallow? Is it, does it make sense because it's not yeah, verbiage like that it. you would use? Like I always have to ask the why, cause I don't ever take a criticism of like, Oh, I don't like that. Well, why don't you like it? Yeah. You know, is it, you don't like it because it's too different or do you just genuinely hate that type of music? Or was it something that was said that didn't make sense? Like, what is it exactly? So I know, so I can... There's a great phrase that a sales trainer friend of mine uses, which is, help me understand. Help you know, me which understand. is very kind of non-confrontational, but it also forces there to be some kind of feedback. To right. Say, 
You said that out of everything I just read you out of my notebook, you didn't like it. Help me understand. What, yeah. What can I do better with with these ideas? They're right. not developed enough. Well, what are your thoughts? I mean, I would hope the, that, you know, yeah. And you would give you feedback. No doubt. No doubt. Because feedback is very, very important. But you also have to open yourself up to take feedback. Because a lot yeah. of people will ask for <laughs> advice or feedback. And you can see it. And I've, I've, in the wrestling world, I see this too. Because people often ask me for advice in, in wrestling. Um, and I can always tell when they've tuned out, when I've mm. like, you know, when they've just kind of checked out because most people just by, and it's okay. Cause I feel like we're very sensitive when you like praise them and tell them what they did great, which I always lead with. Like, mm-hmm. I really like this, this, and this, but when you hit that, butt, a lot of people just automatically, you can see them move back. Like you, and some people are like, if they come forward to me, like I can just watch a movement, like, right. If they could, then I can tell that they're really intently dialed in in. but you can also when they take a step back i can already see that either they're trying to think of the excuse as to why they're they Mm. did the thing that i'm trying to help them criticize when because i'm not you know what i mean i've been there so i probably know why they did what they or why someone did what they did or it didn't really i'm just telling you my opinion but i also learned a long time ago that every like like i said earlier everyone's going to have an opinion and one of my trainers told me is like you have to take because your character everybody's character everybody's art form everybody's thing is so so different that you literally have to kind of cherry pick the advice that you actually use because just because it's good advice doesn't mean it's good advice for you or your career mm-hmm. You yeah. know, yeah. doesn't mean it's bad advice. It just means that that might not work for you because yeah, you're like that. We're so different. Like, so there is no like cookie cutter way to make anything happen. And then we can see that in like stardom all over from the stars that come out. Like everyone is for the most part, very, very different from the molds, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm joined today on location in Nashville by recording artist, singer, songwriter, Mickey James. Visit her official website at mickeyjames.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. She, of course, is all over social media. Follow Mickey on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, her music is streaming on Spotify, so follow her on there as well. However, do please purchase downloads of her music from iTunes and other online digital music retailers. On MickeyJames.com, you will also see a shop link for her online store, plus a link to one of her other projects that we will talk about in just a minute, GAWTV. This, of course, is the Milestone 400th episode of this show. I have to say thank you again to all the great guests that have been on the show and certainly to everyone who listens to Now Hear This Entertainment every week. Do make sure that you have hit the subscribe or the follow button for this show on whichever podcast platform you're listening through. I also encourage you to not only tell others about NHTE, but if you're just discovering the show now, maybe you came to this episode just to hear Mickey James, do go back and listen to previous episodes from the last seven and and a half years. Mickey, let's go ahead and have you share with the audience all about GAW TV. <laughs> you know, we started, I started, um, God TV, GAW TV, grown ass women television, um, which, uh, a song that you're going to hear later is the actual, it started as the theme song, at, uh, for that show, but we started that in the pandemic and I started it with two of my girlfriends, um, Lisa Marie, who is also a former champion and, um, she's amazing, but she's retired in wrestling now. And my friend, SoCal Val, Valerie, um, who was a presenter and a backstage interviewer and she does commentary work, but she does a lot of stuff with fight TV. But I, we, I met her at a separate, when I left, uh, WWE the first time and and went to impact. That's where I met her. And I found like that we are so different. The three of us, the way we look at things, the way we, Mm. you know, Val is very much a girly girl. Like she's very, very much a girly girl. She's makeup, dresses, heels, shoes, the, all the things, you know, and she's always like, I bruise like a peach. She never wanted to be in the wrestling ring. Um, she only wanted to be on the outside, like manager, Miss Elizabeth, stuff like that. And then whereas Lisa came from fitness and, you know, she's very much a tomboy and I feel like, and she's retired now and, and 
Val is in the UK and married and working with Fight TV and doing a bunch of other projects and still involved with wrestling. And I, at the time, was still very heavily, I was on the road full time. I was on the main roster and was doing so much. But then during the pandemic, we had talked about it so many times, like, hey, let's maybe do a show together, both separately, like with each of the girls, but Mm -hmm. then kind of together. And um, we should do a show. But time, there was no time. There was no time. Like, it just seemed like a fun idea. And I was like, oh, yeah, we should totally do that at some point and like get around as you know the (laughs) we'll get to it we'll do that one day um and then obviously the pandemic happened and everybody is stuck at home in lockdown and i swear that show helped me has helped me to get it helped me get through the whole pandemic because it just kind of i was I was in the middle of a knee injury too. I was getting ready to go. I was actually cleared for months, but before I actually came back, but, um, I was, you know, I had tore my ACL, which was my first mm. major surgery of wow. my whole like 20 year career. Like oh. I obviously we all have little injuries, but this was the first injury that I'd, I ever had to take time off for that. I had to nine months of recovery mm. of like rehab of all the things to get ready to come back for a, a comeback of sorts. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was a real like kind of soul setter too. Cause I go like, you know, this is the thing about wrestling is that if you get hurt, you literally have to sit at home. And that's something that I always knew. And this is another reason why I was like so grateful for the music because in those moments of like, whether it was creative, wasn't writing anything for you, or you were just kind of in between place, the music was always there. I could always write and I could always perform and it filled, filled me up and it just kind of was different, you know, so you could still get that stage performance or you could do those things, but even we couldn't do music and the studios were shut down and, you know, and everybody's going to do stuff. And finally we were just like, Hey, let's just remember that show we were talking about doing. Like, I think that we should just do it. It'll be fun. That's neat. I'm bored. I'm bored at home. I need something to do. And, um, yeah, we started it. And it's been incredible. It's been, I mean, I couldn't ask for two better ladies to, to host it with. Who, and, who is it geared towards? Who should watch GWTV? Um, well, you know, I like to say that it is geared to women because obviously the show is called Grown Ass Women. We have a lot of female guests on the show. I mean, we convert it to the Gawcast, the podcast as well. But it's on YouTube and we do the, the show there. It, we geared it towards female wrestling fans. And obviously we have a large male audience. But... Um, um, to, because I think that a lot of the ways that women are often portrayed as wrestlers on television is in a very like catty kind of whatever light. And I thought it was a cool way to show the women of like what we're really like, like this is mm-hmm. more of a conversation of when we're shooting. If after we did the show that night in wherever, you know, Tuscaloosa, and then we're driving three hours to the next town and we get to the hotel. Like this is us in a, after the show's wrapped up, like chilling, decompressing, having a glass of wine, just talking about life. And a lot of times we, we will talk about wrestling, but most of the stuff we're sharing is like road stories or things that were like, that really kind of people don't know about us or how hard, because they have this illusion that like, once you make it to television, you're the superstar and you have the jets and the buses and the things and everything. No, it's not like that at all. But it also sounds like men could watch it because since you're talking about so much behind the scenes wrestling talk, if you're a wrestling fan, you can watch it and you're going to relate. You're not going to say, oh, I don't know, it's some women's show. No, they're talking about wrestling some of the time. So yeah. by all means, watch it also. Yeah, we kind of address everything because I think we're three grown-ass women from different <laughs> parts of our lives of our careers and we came from different places to make it and it's like you know Val was homeschooled and her journey's so different and I grew up in the country in Virginia and you know on a horse farm and I was not a tomboy tomboy but I was also not a girly girl I I enjoyed both sides like I've always balanced both sides I like I like to dress up but I also like to ride four-wheelers and I like to do the, you know what I mean whereas Lisa was very much in SoCal and in uh, California and very much a Cali girl but a sports Cali girl and like you know so it just the way we look at things and the way we talk about things it's like we we obviously have the common interest of, of wrestling and of being a boss babe in the sense of like, cause it's hard, especially in that business or in any business to really kind of, you know, stand in your power without people just assuming that you're 
a wench or the, the B word for a well, female. What I latched onto when you first started talking about this project is you said we are all three very, and I was waiting for you to say similar people. We're all three really close friends. And you said we're three very different people. And so it shows you that that dynamic almost helps the show even more because there's a bigger lesson, which is I think artists could look at someone and say, well, that person doesn't really do the same style of music as me or he or she does this or that, which is very different. Well, then maybe that's going to be a nice addition. It's going to be something to kind of transform your career where you're going to say, hey, you know what? My music has just kind of been on autopilot. All of a sudden, if I'm going to collab with this person here, it might kind of jazz things up for me. And you're saying like the three of you are very different, but it makes for a great dynamic as it relates to the show. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. And I can't think of a show of like listening to three girls just agree with each other the whole time you know <laughs> yeah, like yeah point, that's great you go girl. like we d- don't get me wrong we are each other's best like we support each other cheerleader all the way but it is cool to get the you know the different perspectives because we have such different backgrounds and we do have such different goals you know of the yeah. things that we are we want and that we do and um yeah i don't I don't like surrounding myself with just a bunch of agreeing people of people. Cause then I'm like, I don't know if they're being genuine or if they're just yeah. telling me what I want to hear to hang out. Like I want people to not be in a mean way, but I would rather someone be honest with me and me not like it. Doesn't mean I'm going to dislike yeah. them and then surround yourself then with surra- a bunch of yes men. Yeah. Because it's yes like, women. that doesn't do me any good. That just, it keeps me stuck because they're not being honest with me. So I can't change whatever's not working. So on top of everything we, that we've talked about, you mentioned this before, but your music career wrestling, now we're talking about GWTV. You mentioned before you are also a mom, and I'm sure you're going to tell me that of all these different hats that you wear, that one is your favorite. Yeah. Challenging, though, I'm, I'm sure, with the crazy schedule that you keep and being pulled in so many different directions. Yeah, it, has, it was challenging, and especially challenging when I was back on the road. Because it was I, kind of all-encompassing, because people don't realize like when you are on the road... Um, whether it be for wrestling or music, you're gone 200 days out of the year, Hmm. which don't leave very much at home. And, you know, before when I had more control over my schedule of like, I kind of was in charge of where I was going, who, what I was doing. And, and I could always schedule for him to just come with me and I would have somebody come with me. And then I remember when I first went back on the road with WWE, um, and he was so young, he was like, you know, three, four. And I felt like, you know, I was so, so excited to go back, but there was a lot of things that I missed, you know, and he's my only, I waited on purpose. This is kind of the ironic thing is that I had purposely like waited to have a child until after I kind of like not really wrapped up wrestling, but was more on the back end mm-hmm. of the career. Cause I knew how demanding and I was so hungry and still hungry, but like I was so hungry and demanding yeah. and just had like that tunnel vision of like this, this end goal that I didn't have time or the energy. And I was way too selfish to think that I would be a good mom in that space. I don't think that's selfish. I think you're saying in fairness to the kid, he yeah. or she, when I finally give birth, they're not going to get the mom that they should have. Right. If I'm all wrapped up in, just go, go, go with wrestling. Yeah. And so going exactly. And so it was so cool. Like I was so happy, you know, whatever. And I was also excited to go back, but it was a new balance of a new normal that I had to find because when I would go, I would feel like this guilt as a mom, like, Oh God, I missed, I missed his first steps. I missed, Mm. you know, these things, but obviously I was so grateful because I have an amazing family and there were moments that I was able to bring him but I just couldn't take him on the road with me every week and I go like well as a child like that's not even good that's not unless it was like a a bus or whatever where it was like but to fly every week and to do all the things I was like that's exhausting for a child and like he doesn't want to do that like he'd rather be playing with his grandma or like hanging out you know so we just made it made it work and um he's thriving now he's absolutely the most important thing and um it's cool to be in a position now because I'm, I'm more in control and more like in control of what I'm doing, which is a great place to be. I That's feel great. like I am such a free spirit that when I am kind of locked into stuff, it almost like, um, it stagnates me a little bit, like where I feel like, mm, cause I feel like I'm limited and I'm limited by someone else's rules, not by my own. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. like that feeling. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get that. I think if I asked you 
who gave you great advice when you were getting started into wrestling, you would probably say like maybe Dusty Rhodes, I'm guessing his name comes up a lot when people in the business talk about really getting an education and some real wisdom at the start of their career. But what about music though? Like who has been the equivalent of that for that career of yours that really helped you develop a vision for being an artist? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I wish I could say it was Dusty Rhodes and I love Dusty and, and obviously he's been very kind to me, but in like my coming up, Dusty wasn't very influential in my personal career. And I would say like probably the most, the best advice that I ever got, um, or probably just the the biggest change, like this moment, because I had like this moment of we always, most times I say most people like before the big break, they always get to this place where they want to quit. They almost mm. quit. You know what I mean? And if you can see through that and you can push through that, that that's usually where wow. the pot of gold wow. is, is on the other side of that. And I found that to be my truth and a lot, a lot of things. And Tommy Dreamer is a mentor, friend, uh, love him to pieces. Uh, then he was kind of my boss at the time. And he kind of helped me with that moment because I was about to quit mm. when I was in developmental. And I was like, I just, I've, I've been doing it and doing it. And I just feel like I'm not what the company is looking for. They've just gone a completely different direction with the women. And I'm not that like, I'm not this model. I dedicated my whole, this whole six years of my life, which seemed like an eternity to me. Cause I was like 23 <laughs> at the time. Right. So I'm like, I've dedicated everything to being the best wrestler that I could absolutely be. I'm one of the best wrestlers out there period. And that's just, I know it's a wrestling company, but that is not what they're looking for right now. Like they are actually looking for the exact opposite of that. Mm. And I just don't know what to do. I just feel like at this, like I'm so torn and in this place of like, what am I doing? And, um, yeah. And he's like, I think you just need a break. And that's why I said, we all need breaks. Hmm. I think you just need a break. Why don't you go home and see your mom and talk to me? Like, please don't. Cause I was like, tell him like, I, I, I'm going to quit. Like I can't, I think, I think, I don't think I can do this anymore. It's not fair. I'm, it's toxic to me because I'm doing all the work. I'm doing all this work and I'm helping all these girls so they can go up to TV when I've dedicated everything to this. And a lot of these girls never even watched wrestling before Mm. today like this is crazy to me and um yeah and so i'm just really really thankful for him because it's just one of those things that he had to have like that he had always been a mentor to me in that moment but that was like that real moment like coming to jesus moment whatever you had to do where i had to go back and i had that conversation with my mom and i had to sit back and go and like and I was just, you know, when I, and I'm a prayer and I'm a thinger and I'm just sit here and have conversations with myself. And I'm like, if I give up now, like then what a waste, mm. like what a waste of my talent, what a waste of my last, do I want to let, like, this is like the devil talking to me and do I want to let him win? Like, or do it kind of, am I going to see it through? And I'm so grateful that I had to, you know, had to have pushed into that, say, go reset for yeah, a minute. Yeah. That's what it is. But what about earlier on, you said that when you were getting started into music, you didn't want people to think, oh, this is a novelty act. So, so on the music side, were there, was there somebody that was kind of that Tommy dreamer? Was there someone musically that said, Hey, I believe in you, like do this and and gave you some real nice words of wisdom that, that inspired you to say, you know what? I am going to follow through with music. Yeah. I mean, obviously Kent Wells, I said, you know, he was the first one to do that for me. And, um, it was, that was like a real, but that, that was still in that first album. And it took, that was a lot of the, the feedback I would get. Oh, it's that wrestling chick. Oh, it's the wrestling chick. And I'm just like, yeah, but I'm, have you listened to the songs? <laughs> have you talked? Have you put it in? Oh, dang it. Um, and it just took a while. And then when I got, um, I signed with a management team and it was Jeff and Al, um, with big show music co and, and at the time and, they really put a lot of love into my music career. They were probably the first ones to put a fair amount. I miss those guys, um, of love into my music career. And that with Van Fletcher, who was hugely instrumental to me is what I, when I got signed with E1 music Nashville and, you know, Van, Van was one too that kind of said, well, what, what do you want it to be? He's like, I feel like, you know, I feel like you feel like you need to be this 
country music artists and you're just want to do like you're doing traditional country, but I don't know that that is who you are, mm-hmm. you know, like instead of trying to fit into this mold of, of what you think or who they think country music is supposed to be. Why don't you just be who you are? Like you are a legit badass. Who you want to be. As you're a, yeah. You're a damn rock star. Like you need, you're a rock star. Like, um, and I, when I hear you sing and when I hear you play and we started to lean cause I always kind of have resonated more in that Southern rock vein when I write and I'll do ballads and stuff. But when I perform it's energy, it's like, I am a performer in my heart. Um, so everything is high energy and for the most part, and, and he really, um, made me tap into that and like not be afraid of that instead of like trying to get up there and sing these pretty songs and mm-hmm. you know be a ballad queen I'm like I, and I would say like I'm not oh, Carrie Underwood I never claimed to be never would try to be because it's just not who I am but I am I can sing about real stuff that's happened to me or resonates with me or whatever but it's always lean more rocky and that's where I started to really allow myself to start putting more of that style in it rather than just being yeah. country. And, and I was going to say that if you did just be this country person that you think you're supposed to be, well, now you're almost stepping into character. Whereas if you do it the way that Mickey wants to do it, well, now people are getting the authentic, genuine Mickey James. Right. And you're not acting. You're actually, I mean, you're feeling the songs as you're performing them, but you're being true to who you are. Right. And these songs are what you want them to be, not what you think they're supposed to be to the unwashed masses. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like it's like you have to, that's why I say you have to put your blinders on sometimes and put your earmuffs on because like <laughs> everyone's going to have an opinion. But I genuinely thought that the first album, and if you go back to listen to that one that was the one that we just had released you know re-released for the 10-year anniversary it is an incredible album and for my first album out of the gate and then to have three cuts on it for my own stuff that I wrote and he really gave me my conflict Kent really gave me my confidence and the ability to go like yes you can do this but Van gave me the confidence I think to really step into more who I was instead of who I thought I was supposed to be Yeah, yeah and for music to please whoever that was you know making decisions or whatever they, you know? Yeah. yeah, I like it. Yeah. So what does the end of 2021 look like for you music wise? And, and for that matter, maybe there are already some plans in place for 2022 for music projects. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have been writing through the whole pandemic and obviously like the studios were shut down to record a lot of stuff for a long time, but I had been steady writing and I'd say I'd been working on this album. I feel like I've been working on it forever of all original stuff. And it's the first album I've ever done of just only my own stuff or, you know, with several co-writers and stuff. So that is the one thing. And obviously I have more singles coming out and off that record. And, you know, we just put out the music video to the chapel heart, you know, a month or two ago for the grown ass woman song. And that was the empower anthem. And yeah, there's just, I always, you know, I like collaborating with people because I think, you know, I've been able to do a song with the Ying Yang twins who are way like rap and totally different than who I am. And then from that to doing a song with a young girl named Roosevelt out of Phoenix. And she's amazing. She's so, so talented. But we did a uh, For the Love of a Child, which is a very deep ballad kind of thing mm. um, for child help um, and for her Five Too Many campaign to this song with uh, this last song with Chapel Heart, which they're incredible. Sam next woman a country and everybody that I try like I try to do stuff with people who are very different but yet the same as me like yeah, just kind yeah. of it was just I just like when we when people have good energy and you know when there's that synergy so there, in other but. words for the audience stay tuned because there will be more musically coming from Mickey we're going to close today with another one of her original songs one called grown ass woman so Mickey before I let you go and I play that song share with the audience all about this song please oh man this song actually we wrote in like two hours wow it was yeah it wow. was one of this was one of those quick writes because I on it's Sean Gasway. hello again um but I had started this song with Sean um, and Brandon Green, um, and I don't. We had like a whole thing in mind of like something, and then nothing ever came of it because we just couldn't get past the the hook, the mm. the chorus, and uh, 
but so we made it for the intro because I'm like, I'm going to write the song one day. I just need the right. I need the right people to write it with. It's, we're going to write. I'm going to write this song because I know what it needs to say. I feel like, um, and then Sean. I guess he was working with Chapel Heart. He came across Chapel Heart in a different conversation. He's like, I really tell me, he's like, I really think you need to meet these girls. Mm. Like, you're going to love them. Like, I, I feel like you should talk to them. Maybe we could, in this, we had, you know, God sat for two years at this point, just kind of sat there. He's like, I think we should think about rewriting go, grown ass women with them. Wow. And yeah. And we were in my husband and I, cause we just bought a house last, uh, last December. Um, and cross planes, but we were living in Franklin at the minute, um, at a townhouse as we were searching as the house was selling all the things. Right. So, um, they came by and I met them and I fell in love with them, like their energy, their excitement. And like, just, it was a quick conversation of like, Hey, do we want to write this song together? And like, heck yeah, let's do it. And we just sat down in like the conference room. And what do we think it means to be a grown ass woman? And the original track that we had listened to, to what the song is, Mm -hmm. two different songs, Mm. two different songs. And it's just a female power anthem power ballad that really speaks to like what it takes to be a woman in this world today because we are multitaskers. We are CEOs. We are mamas. We are wives. We are butt kickers. We are dishwashers. We're doing all the things and doing it. Or wrestlers. Amazingly. <laughs> yes. Or <Yeah>. wrestlers <laughs> wrestling with my own, all the things. Yeah. That puts a nice bow on it. Good stuff. <laughs> Mickey is great having you on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate you no. making time to be here. Thank you so much for having me. This is amazing. Yeah. You appreciate bet. It. You bet. Listeners that will do it for the milestone. 400th episode of now hear this entertainment my sincere thanks to recording artist singer songwriter mickey james do visit her official website at mickeyjames.com again i will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net engage with her on social media meaning follow her on facebook twitter instagram plus as i said before follow her on spotify but don't just stream her music there and that's it support mickey in her music career by purchasing downloads from her extensive catalog on itunes and other online digital music retailers for that matter tell mickey that you heard her and her music and now hear this entertainment check her out also on gawtv there's a link for that on mickeyjames.com as well One final thanks to everyone who listens, whether this is your first time checking out Now Hear This Entertainment or you've been with me for all 400 episodes or somewhere in between. I'm truly grateful. I simply ask that you tell others about the show and, of course, that you hit the subscribe or the follow button for this show on whichever podcast platform you listen through. Again, if you are new, do go back and listen to past episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment. There have been a lot of really great guests. That will do it for episode 400. We'll send you out today with another song from Mickey James. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Grown Ass Woman. Way back in the country, rooftops in the city. It's about time that we show the world. Show what? We're way more than just pretty.
Kevin, y'all.